0: Amen, amen. Good morning. Good to have a seat. My name is Brandon. I'm one of the pastors here at Mercy Hill. Thank you so much for joining us July 4th. uh, It takes quite a commitment uh, to be one of the folks showing up for church on July 4th. So I appreciate you guys being here. If you're watching online, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, So happy Independence Day. Uh, I love the 4th of July. Anybody else love the 4th of July? Uh, My dog hates the 4th of July. I love it. I love the whole thing. Uh, I love uh, flags everywhere, red, white, and blue. Uh, I love fireworks. It's one of my uh, most favorite things in the world. In fact, the moment I knew I was marrying Kristen beyond a shadow of a doubt was the day she showed up with a gift for me and it was fireworks. And I was like, you know me, like you understand me. I love hot dogs, apple pie. I mean the whole thing. But most of all, I think what I love about the 4th of July is what it represents. That in the United States, even though at times our execution of these ideals have fallen woefully short, that we are still a nation who believes that God gives people rights. And those rights include our freedom to assembly, freedom of religion, freedom of speech. And I think that is worth celebrating together that we do still have a government that while it's lost its way several times and depending on your partisan or political affiliations, you might believe this is currently one of those times or you might not, we still get together to celebrate not, let's, rem, let's be really clear, not that the United States gives us rights, but that God gives us rights and that we live in a country that recognizes those God-given rights rights. And so what we're going to do this morning is actually just exercise those freedoms, those rights, by doing what we do every week, which is turning to the Scripture and seeing what God has to say to us from His Word. All right, does that work? So that's the way we're going to celebrate Fourth of July this week. Bible's open, exercising our right to assembly and our right of religion, free, free to practice religion. All right, does that make sense? Everybody good with that? All right, you've got a Bible, turn to Acts chapter 2. We're going to pick up in verse 42. Uh, before we um, dive into the passage, would you just pray uh, with me? Just pray this along with me, all right? Father, uh, this morning, may I hear from you in the scripture. And Father, this morning, may I respond to the truth in faith. Amen. All right, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Verse 42 says this And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So let's do a quick recap together. Acts chapter 1, the beginning of that chapter, Jesus meets with his disciples. This is after Jesus' resurrection and before Jesus ascends into heaven. And when he meets with his disciples, he tells them a couple of things. One, he gives them a commission or a mission or a purpose. And he says, you're going to be my witnesses here in Jerusalem and then Judea and then Samaria to the ends of the earth. And so he just gave them a mission. Your job moving forward is to make sure whatever your geography is, your message is the same. You are telling people about who I am and what I've done. And then he also gives them a promise because the mission is overwhelming. And so he says, But you're not in this alone. See, when I ascend into heaven, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit is going to dwell inside you and lead you and guide you and teach you and walk with you every step of the way as you are accomplishing the mission. So what we have in Acts chapter 1 is the people of Jesus, the followers of Jesus, who've been given a mission by Jesus, and then the very Spirit of Jesus to to accomplish the mission. So we get into Acts chapter 2. It's exactly what happens. Holy Spirit shows up. Fills believers, they're emboldened in their testimony. They are publicly preaching and sharing the gospel and amazing signs and wonders, things that could be only described as miraculous happen. And at the end of the day, about 3,000 people come to faith and trust in Jesus. And this event in Acts chapter 1, in the beginning of Acts chapter 2, births this new thing called the church. This is the first church. We are in this kind of stream that starts all the way from Acts chapter 2 until this very moment. I know some of you will go like, yeah, is it really a church though? Are you sure? Because um, uh, they don't don't have a federal tax ID number, and they don't have a building, and they don't have an organ or guitars or drums, and they don't have air conditioning, uh, and they don't have a finely tuned, well-built kids program. And they're not sending kids to student ministry camp. Like, is this actually a church? And the answer is yes. Because in the scripture, a church isn't defined by any of those things. Although some of those things are nice, like air conditioning, right? July in Georgia, it's really nice to have. But what a church is, is the people of God who've been rescued by the son of God and adopted into the family of God and then sent on God's mission. That's what a church is. And so that's what we see here in Acts chapter 2 is a church. And what we've seen over the past couple of weeks, if we've looked at this passage, is this church has some significant marks. So two weeks ago, we said this church is devoted to each other, to together, to being together. They're devoted to the apostles' teaching. They're learning what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That they're living together in community. That they're sharing with one another. That they're together, worshiping Jesus together, observing the Lord's Supper together. They're praying together. and They're devoted to those things. Not only that, but we saw last week that they're together in generosity, that they're sharing with each other, sacrificing for each other, serving one another. And something then incredible happens— That in this environment where these people in this newly formed church are being devoted in these ways, living in community in these ways, we get this last verse of the paragraph, verse 47. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now this idea, this verse is repeated almost verbatim several other times in the book of Acts. But it's an amazing reminder that what God is doing through this community of faith is not only sharing, not only generosity, not only Bible teaching, not only a commitment to each other, but in this environment, people who are outsiders to the faith are becoming believers that they are responding and becoming followers of Jesus. And I love the phrase, it's happening so frequently. The only way Luke, the author of Acts, knows how to describe it is day by day. It's like every day. What we just saw, this camp report, which is unbelievable, is like everyday life for the early church. But yeah, this just happened. It just happened again, and it just happened again, and it just happened again. The church in Acts chapter two is not just a loving community, not just generous, but it's also growing. Now it's very important for us to define what we mean when we use this term growing, that the church is growing. And here's why, because as Americans and Westerners and specifically modern people living in this time, we tend towards pragmatism. Do you know what that means? If it works, it's good, right? And so often what we mean by growing is just something really simple. There's more people coming. So it's working. It must be good. It must actually be growing. But that's not exactly what's going on here. We have to back up to kind of define this. Acts chapter 2, if we back up to verse 37. During this day of Pentecost, this day where miraculous signs and wonders are being done, this day where Peter gets up and preaches this message and people come to faith, here's how Peter summarizes his message, verse 37. Here's what he says. Now, when they heard this, in other words, when they heard Peter proclaim the good news of Jesus, they were cut to the heart. This is the crowd. The crowd is experiencing maybe what we today would call conviction. Their feelings, they're emotionally responding. And they said, this is the crowd, said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what should we do? This story about Jesus is unbelievable. What should I do in response to it? Verse 38, and Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you. This is one of my most favorite verses in the whole Bible. The promise is for you and your children and for those who are far off, everyone whom the Lord calls to himself. Verse forty And many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. And verse 41, Those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. So more than just people showing up for a service, this early church is growing by more and more people trusting Jesus. Repenting, that word repent means to turn away from something. So turning away from whatever they were trusting in previously, their good deeds, uh, possibly trusting in their wealth or their social status, turning away from those things and trusting in Jesus. They are hearing this message, this joyful announcement that Jesus can save them, forgive them, and transform them, and they're responding by not trusting in themselves but trusting in Christ. And the church is growing because more and more people are being baptized. Now, baptism, often we don't quite understand. Sometimes we get confused about baptism. So let me just give you like a quick way to understand it. Baptism is about two things. Baptism is about people who've trusted Jesus, publicly identifying with Jesus. Does that make sense? So people who've trusted Jesus, publicly identifying with Jesus and then the second thing that baptism is about, and this is what we miss sometimes, is the church of Jesus identifying with that person. Does that make sense? So baptism is not just somebody saying, yes, I follow Jesus, I want to identify with Jesus. Baptism is also the church, other followers of Jesus going, and we agree. We think this person is an authentic follower of Jesus. And so that's what's happening in this early church, and this is important for us. The reason this is important for us is because we see this numerical component, 3,000 people being added to. This number is growing and growing and growing, but we have to see what the number is about. The number isn't just about attendance or people showing up. The number is about the people whose lives are being transformed by Jesus, See, an increased attendance does not mean the church is growing. It just means more people are showing up. A growing church is marked by people who are repenting and trusting in Jesus, who are following through with baptism, who are now, like this early church, living together on mission. That's the fruit of what church growth is. It's not just more and more people coming, but it's more and more people becoming followers of Jesus. So a local church, Mercy Hill Church, could increase in its attendance, and the universal church, the whole of the body of Christ, could not have grown one single bit. Does that make sense? So here's what we want to be about then at Mercy Hill. We want to be about, just like these people, living on mission, but be very clear what the mission is. Hey, we're not turning anybody away, right? We're so thankful attendance has increased over COVID, which is wild. It's amazing. We're praising God for that. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we are a growing church. What means we're a growing church is when we see people come to faith in Christ. When we see people walking out repentance in their everyday lives. When we see people following through with baptism, publicly identifying with Jesus. That's what we're after. That's what we want to be about. So here's the big idea today. This is what we see. A Jesus-trusting, Spirit-filled, mission-minded church is on mission, and here's the key word, together. Right? So two weeks ago, Jesus-trusting, Spirit-filled, mission-minded church is devoted together. A Spirit-filled, Jesus-trusting, mission-church is generous together. And a Spirit-filled, Uh, Mission-minded church, Jesus-trusting church is on mission, has a purpose, and they do that together. I love what John Stott says about this really volatile and amazing time in the history of church. He says, for the Holy Spirit is a missionary spirit who created a missionary church. And here's what I don't want us to miss in this passage, is that community is the way we live out the mission. Community here at Mercy Hill is not just about you fitting in, although I hope you fit in. And community here is not just about eating together, although look at me, I love eating with you. Community is not just about supplying your needs or even growing In your knowledge of the Bible, community has this other larger purpose that we would be a people of faith, living out our faith in a way that other people are brought into the family of God. This is what many of us miss when we talk about our own maturity as disciples, as followers of Jesus. Many of us think we've grown in maturity because we know theology. Or we know Bible stories. Or we belong to a church for a long time. Or because we serve in some way. And all of those are markers of maturity for sure. But there is this one marker too. Living on mission. Having a view of people who don't yet know Jesus. And living intentionally a way to include them. So how did they grow? What's their strategy? Uh, they, They changed their worship style. They fired the pastor, got a new pastor. That the way, that's the way you grow a church in the town I grew up in. You just get a new pastor. And then like a few hundred people come to your church for a while till they get tired of that pastor, and then that pastor leaves. Then you go get a new one. and you get a, I mean, that's church growth strategy, right? Just go get a new pastor. Update the building. They didn't build a new place. Instead, what they just did is they lived in community with each other. Now, there's two things I want you to see. The first one we're going to come back to later. The second one we're going to spend some time on. All right, you ready? The first thing, and this is important, if you look at Acts 2.47, who's adding to the number? The Lord. So there's an aspect of this that is just God's work and God's work only. That God is at work in this early church so that people are coming to faith. We're going to come back to that, all right, at the end, so hold on to that. But secondly... Their main strategy is just being a Jesus shaped people living together in community. That's really what they're doing. They're not rolling out any massive program, they're not on the technological edge. They're not doing anything that seems to be incredibly compelling or new or crazy or effective or really pragmatic. Well, a picture we see in Acts is they just love each other. They're devoted to each other. They're devoted to Jesus. They're growing in their understanding of the scripture. They're sharing with each other. And then what happens? It says that they have favor with all the people. And the Lord is adding to their number day by day, those who are being saved. Here's what's happening. Is people outside of the church are looking into the community of the church and go, This is unbelievable. There is something going on here. I know that guy. And that guy doesn't ever share. He's as hard-hearted and as stingy as they come. And that guy is sharing with others? The people are looking and going, Lone Rangers have become together, united in community. They're looking at the church and going, oh, there's something going on here. Strangers have become families and enemies have become friends. That people who seem to be apathetic now care. That the greedy are now giving and the prideful are now humble. And they're looking at that community of faith and going, what do I have to do? This is unbelievably compelling. One of the things that we have lost in the past three decades, particularly in the past three decades, in local churches is understanding that the way we do mission is community. Uh, I am indebted to some pastors and leaders who went before me. But particularly in previous generations, pragmatism has reigned supreme. If it works, we do it. More money on lights, more money on the band, more money on the building. And not all of those things are necessarily wrong, right? But a shift happened where we started to believe that what we needed to attract people into our churches was a bigger and better show. Um, Can I just tell you, that's really dumb. Uh, We are never... Going to produce anything on par with Disney World, all right? Never. What the Church of Jesus Christ should have that no one else has is this passage, authentic community. And if we've seen anything during COVID, isn't this what people really want? Man, they go anywhere and get a show, they go anywhere. You get on YouTube, you can hear a better communicator of any sort of truth than me for sure. You can do TED Talk, whatever you're into, self-help, like whatever it is, you can find somebody who's incredibly compelling. We can do all sorts of things, but what we must do is this, if we want to see people come to faith in Jesus. It's our community that's compelling. And check this out. Two things, if you're taking notes. Two things I want you to see. How they're living in community. Number one is this. They are together in public spaces and in private spaces. Do you see that? They're attending the temple together. Now, Now, that sounds like going to church, except for, remember, this is a Jewish temple, and so most of the people who they are interacting with at the temple are not followers of Jesus. Instead, they are going together to the temple to worship God, but in a space where there aren't other people who are necessarily worshiping through Jesus like them. This is a public space, a public sphere that they are filling, going to together. Then the next thing is they're breaking bread in their homes. So in private spaces, in their own homes, they're experiencing community, sharing meals and their lives with each other. Now, the question that we would have to pose to ourselves is this, what if, or what would happen if our public life reflected authentic community? What if our public life reflected authentic community? What if in our clubs and in our hobbies and in our coffee shops and in the things that we like to do on the weekends and at ball games and all other sorts of things that we were together in community in all of those spaces? That if the people who you know and love in those spaces got the opportunity to meet the people you know and love in this space, and then the second question would be, what if our homes, our private spaces, what if we begin to see those as outposts for mission? What if, this is crazy, what if God actually is sovereign? And no matter the story of how you parked yourself in your current house and in your current neighborhood, what if God is sovereign over that? And God put you there for a specific reason to reach a specific People and to leverage that resource for his kingdom and for his glory. The guys in the churches who are the best in the world at attractional ministry. Do you know what I mean by that? To craft a worship service or a Sunday morning experience that is attractive to people. The churches who do that best are within 45 minutes of us, right? If you want a traditional worship service, there are tons of places that do it better than here because we don't really do it. And there are tons of places who I would say in this community who are in the top five At doing that in the entire world if you want a young adult college service it's 45 minutes away the best you're gonna get if you want a contemporary service, the best you're gonna get in the world 45 minutes from here right everybody agree with that is that is that okay assessment and still yet according to different numbers anywhere from 80 to 85% of people in Cobb County don't go to church And I praise God for those guys. I've learned a lot from those guys. But I'm going to be real frank with you. If it was going to work here in a more significant way than it's already worked, it would have already worked. But what if it's something different? What if we saw ourselves as missionaries no matter where we live, work, or play? What if we saw ourselves as living together, partners in mission together in our community, no matter where we lived? What if your neighborhood, your house, was an outpost for mission right in the middle of where you live? Uh, so it's possible this won't work either. But just so you know, at Mercy Hill, this is what we're banking on. So what, was this is the strategy. All right, that's the first one. They're together in public spaces and private spaces, number two. They're together in the extraordinary and ordinary events, right? Pentecost is crazy. I don't know if you guys went back and read the rest of Acts chapter 2, but there's supernatural, unexplainable things happening in Acts chapter 2. And what we see in the book of Acts is those supernatural things continue to happen all the way through the book. This is in verse 43 in our passage. Many signs and wonders were being done. In fact, there's... 30 miracles recorded in the book of Acts. But check this out. Of the 30, 29 happen outside the church. So these miracles and signs and wonders aren't happening in worship services or gatherings. This is not like at a Benny Hinn crusade, right? Instead, what's happening is God is at work through his spirit in very public places and doing miraculous things so that people come to faith in Jesus. And that's happening all over the place. But maybe even more significantly in the book of Acts and verse 46, what are they doing? Breaking bread in their homes. They're doing just mundane, everyday, normal stuff. So, yeah, extraordinary stuff happens. Just like sending a bunch of kids to camp, it's extraordinary stuff happens at camp. But you know why the extraordinary thing happened at camp? Because for two years, Cody, Darby, and Stephanie and Tyler Estes have been pouring into these kids, just doing everyday, normal Bible study where it looks like nobody's going to pay attention. And the highlight is, are there Doritos this week? And right, like just normal, everyday stuff. What we see in the book of Acts is that God uses these extraordinary events to draw people to faith, but he also uses normal, mundane stuff. Everyday life. So we need to pray for God to do supernatural stuff. Man, I'm going to pray that we experience a great awakening like the first great awakening. I would love to see it. And we're going to pray that people in our church are healed, and that people in our church walk away from sickness, and that addicts recover fully. We're going to pray for God to do some supernatural, unexplainable stuff. We just look back and go, I don't know, God did that. But then we also need to be committed to doing the everyday, mundane, day in and day out to see that God is at work at ball games and dinners and riding in the cars and text messages and showing up for work. These everyday, very ordinary events are places where God works to push the mission forward. See, the key of the text is that we are together on mission no matter the context. The church here is devoted to learning, devoted to each other, devoted to worshiping Jesus, devoted to being generous, devoted to sharing the good news of Jesus with others, and the context doesn't matter that much. Whether it's a massive worship gathering or whether it's just breaking bread in somebody's house. And so we also need to joyfully learn, joyfully gather, joyfully listen, joyfully pray, joyfully love, joyfully share, joyfully worship, joyfully eat together, joyfully invite others, joyfully share others. And I believe that God in that sort of community will work in unbelievable ways. Now, remember I told you this is something we're going to come back to? This is where we come back to. It. But we also have to always remember that changing people's hearts is God's work not ours. Community is what we do. Having humble, teachable spirits is what we do. Walking in generosity and love is what we do. And then we just hope and pray God does what he does, which has radically changed the hearts of men and women who are far from him. So this is... Uh, What we built Mercy Hill on. Uh, And we have struggled in some ways, and we've not done this well in some ways, but this is still our passionate conviction, that the best way to reach our friends and neighbors is not me, but you. The best way for people to experience the love of Jesus is not here, it's at your house. And the best way for people to see authentic community is not in some well-designed program, but in the loving relationships that you have with each other. Our conviction is what Cobb County needs, what Atlanta needs, what Marietta needs, is not another church that is really good at doing church on Sunday mornings. But what we need is a church. We need a whole bunch of churches that are really good at loving each other, really good at serving each other, really good at generosity, really good at having humble, teachable spirits and willing then to share the gospel with their friends and neighbors. So that's what we hope to be. That's what we're praying to be. That we, as a church, look a lot like Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. So what does that mean for us this morning? A couple of questions. Number one, are there some ways this morning that you need to think differently? Does what we've seen in the scripture today demand of you some sort of perspective shift? Maybe this is around the nature of the church. Maybe it's around the part that you play. Maybe it's around what's important and belonging to a church. There could be a variety of things. But does the Scripture today demand that you change the way you're thinking about something, have a perspective shift? Then the second question today would be this. Does what we've seen and learned today demand that we believe something different at a heart level? This isn't necessarily a perspective shift, but this is a trust shift. And so maybe today, while you would agree with everything I've said, the reality is you're not trusting in much of what we've said or what we've seen in the Scripture. That while you go, oh, all of that is true, There is still a measure of trust in the perfectly fine-tuned strategy or trust that Brandon's going to reach people for Jesus, just buy himself, just like, we'll give him a raise and we'll reach more people for Jesus, or whatever, like, whatever that might be. The question is, do you need to trust differently? And maybe that looks like trusting some people in your community. Maybe that looks like an area of repentance and retrusting in Jesus again. That could look like a lot of different things. And then finally, the last question would be, does this text demand that you do something differently? Is there something to put in action today? And so one step might be for some of you, for some of you guys who were at camp this past week, that today what you might see is that these people who placed their faith in Jesus were also baptized. You might want to go, yeah, I want to identify myself with Jesus. Or maybe today you go, you know what? I've been kind of floating doing this like solo Christian thing. And I want to experience some authentic community. And so maybe an action step today for you would be just explore, how do I be a part of one of these missional communities that Mercy Hill has around Cobb County? How do I join in? How do I find some people who I can learn together with, who I can grow in my devotion to each other with, and I can grow in my devotion to the mission with? That's what our missional communities are all about, just three things. Being devoted to Jesus, being devoted to each other, and being devoted to the mission. And so maybe today that's a call to action. So we just ask you today, how do you need to think differently, how do you need to trust differently, and what action step is next for you in that regard? And then maybe today for some of us, we just don't know Jesus. And part of the reason maybe you don't know Jesus is because you've never seen a community like this that's described in Acts chapter 2. You've been to church, you've been around church stuff, you went to grandma's church, you've been to a friend's church, back in high school you went to so-and-so's church, Whatever. And let me just say, the compelling thing about Christianity is not just that the community of faith should love each other, but that Jesus loves you. And that Jesus loves you despite what you've learned about Jesus from a community of faith. And I love that verse. It could be for you today. Where Peter says this promise, this promise that Jesus will rescue those who trust in him by faith. This promise is for you and for your kids and for those who are far off. And so it's possible today that this promise that Jesus will rescue you, forgive you, and bring you into this family of God is for you today. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for this good news, this joyful news, uh, that we can be rescued saved, changed, transformed by your son, Jesus. And Father, first and foremost, today we just ask that that would be transformative of our community, Uh, that we would respond to the gospel by loving each other well, by growing in community with generosity and faith. And Father, our prayer is that you would use our communities of faith uh, as mission outposts that people would see us in public and in private, that people would see extraordinary things but also very ordinary things and respond in faith to Jesus. Could we be, God, a growing church? And, Father, a growing church like this church, growing and seeing people come to faith, growing and seeing people baptized, growing and seeing people living in authentic community, growing in generosity, growing in grace, growing in our understanding of the scripture. Father, we just pray that those things would happen here. God, for those of us who uh, are far from Jesus, I just pray what Peter said, that this promise would be for them, they would know it's for them, even if they're far off, because it's for all whom you call to yourself. And so, God, I just pray that in these moments... You would make up for the weakness of my call to faith with your strength and call people and draw people to trust in your son, Jesus. We pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen.